good to see everybody this morning. It's going to be a good day. It already is a good day. Amen? Yeah, I'm looking forward to a little later in our service. Uh, the kids from Elevate are coming down, and they're going to sing for us today. So I'm looking forward to that. They've been working on a song for a while for us, and I know uh, you'll, be, you'll be blessed and encouraged when you, when you see and hear them. I'm excited to be a part of our series, Hope Is Here, that Jesus is here today. And you know, it's fascinating when you look at the close of the Old Testament, the last verse in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Malachi writes and he says, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Fascinating words that close the Old Testament that speak about desperate times that come when people walk away from the Lord, when people choose to not follow God, And one of the indicators before a curse truly just encapsulates a people is the breakdown of the family. And when the hearts of fathers are no longer turned toward their children and the hearts of children are no longer turned to the fathers, you are on the verge of a complete breakdown of the culture frightening words from the close of the Old Testament. The role of the mother is significant and great, but when the heart of a father is turned away from his children and he is concerned about other things, work, hobbies, his image, his appearance, his stuff, more than his children. And when the children are concerned about more than their dad, there's a dangerous time about to erupt. And we sense that in our culture today. Amen? But the Old Testament does not end with just this condemnation. The word of hope was, I'm sending you hope. And this hope will come. And this hope has the power to turn the heart of a father who has been so consumed with himself that he will come to the end of himself and he will break and his heart will be turned back to his family, especially his children. And this hope has the power to take a child's heart, a family's heart, the children in a family, and turn that heart back to the father and there be restoration. That is hope, amen? And that hope comes in the form of Jesus. So the Old Testament closes and there's 400 years of silence where there's no new word from God. There's no new miraculous revelation that is held out until an angel appears to a young man and to a young woman with words of hope to them. During that 400 years, so much happened. The culture truly did become darker. Corruption began to take over. Government powers began to move in. Corruption moved into the government powers. 
and the people of God began to be limited, controlled, enslaved, silenced until a voice rings out to a young couple. You see, even in religious circles, so much had happened and changed. Religion had turned into this empty practice meant for those who were trying to look good themselves. Religion had become fake. Religion had become empty. Religion had become plastic. But there was a remnant. There was a small group of people whose hearts continued to seek the Lord in spite of what was happening around them. And part of that remnant included a young woman named Mary and a young man named Joseph. And the angel said to them, that she would have a son. And this would be the hope that the Old Testament prophets and all had longed for. Jesus was coming. And it was such a powerful truth to us. Christmas is such a powerful reminder to us that God sees in the darkness. God sees in our personal darkness. He sees the darkness of the culture around us. And he can always speak hope into the darkness. And he did and he continues to. Amen. The darkness around us will not stop heaven's plan for us. It's important that we remember that, that hope truly is here. Our message today is called Hope Begins with a Word. We've looked at how hope begins in the darkness and hope often begins small. But today I want us to look at this idea that hope begins with a word. It begins with a word from God. But to understand this, we've got to back up a little bit and try to get a perspective on who God is to begin with. Now that's a little challenging for us because no one in this room is God. Hello, right? It's okay to admit that right away. You're not. Your spouse is not. No one on your row is. We are all the created from the creator. Hello? He created us. We did not evolve here. We did not slime our way into existence over some millions and millions of years. We were created by a God for purpose, by our God for a purpose. Amen? And we are not like that God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. So you can't think your thoughts and think, oh, I'm going to figure out what God is like. You're not. Because you're not God. You're not capable of comprehending the vastness of who our God is. He is far greater than our thoughts. Amen? He is greater than our ways. But he gives us pictures throughout scripture and throughout history. God has revealed himself in ways to help us know some things about him. But those pictures are just pictures. They're just small glimpses of who he is. They are not exactly him. Let me tell you one of the ways that is different about God than us. You see, God has the power to create in a different way than you and I do. If you've ever made anything, whether it's a meal or if you've built something or if you're a craftsman or if you're an artist, you know that to create, to make, to manufacture something, it requires some thought, some plans, some resources, some work, and some time to make it all happen, right? 
And it probably takes some refining along the way, going back to the drawing board, redoing it, doing it again, until you get it like you want. I come from an artist background. I get all of that. I understand all of that. I understand the reality of that. I understand the frustration of going through that whole process, make, whole process and making something, and at the end say, well, that's not really what I wanted. Right? Hello? Craftsmen, artists, cooks, everybody, builders, manufacturers. So, but God is different. God doesn't have to labor, wait over time, create, recreate, create again, say, oh man, I messed up. Not in God's vocabulary, not in God's plans. Here's how God creates. Very different than how you and I create. Here's how God creates. He speaks and it is done. That is different than you and I. I can't do that. My wife can't do that. As much as you and I would want to come home after church today and step into the kitchen and say, meal. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way, right? It'd be cool. It'd be cool like steak. Yeah, yeah. Medium rare, right? Something like that. Uh, some of you guys are more rare than that, right? It'd be great to say baked potato, sour cream, cheese. I'll stop right there. It'd be great to say, and all of a sudden, boom, it happened. You and I cannot do that. We have not been made with that power or ability, but our God has that power and ability. He speaks, and life comes into existence. Scripture opens with this very description of God. Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Listen, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and it happened. He spoke and what was not in existence all of a sudden came into existence. It didn't have to start as a tiny spark. It came into full existence when he spoke it. It didn't have to evolve into some process. It happened just the way he spoke it. He speaks and it is done. He said, let there be light and there was light, the scripture says. This is how God works. Psalm 33 confirms this for us. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. This separates us from our God. He can speak by his breath. He just utters a word and into existence comes what did not previously exist. Psalm 33, 9 says, For he spoke and it was done. Whew. That's a verse worth putting, worth putting on your refrigerator right there. That one's worth putting on your phone, in your car, in your house, on your mirror in the bathroom. He spoke and it was done. It happened. It came into existence because he said it. He spoke it and it was done. It's important for us to understand this. It's actually important for us to believe this. Because 
Listen to what Hebrews 11.3 says. By faith, we understand that the, world, the worlds were framed, listen, by the word of God. But by faith, we understand that. I don't have to have a textbook in a classroom and a science class in a college campus to tell me how the worlds were formed. In fact, the world has a very different way of defining how the worlds were formed because their way is not of faith. It takes faith, it takes assurance, it takes understanding, it takes belief in what God says and who God is to believe this, that God speaks and it is. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And it says this, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God makes things to come into existence just by speaking. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm spending so much time on this. We're going somewhere. We're always going somewhere in a message at Vertical. Amen? All right. So hold on to this because this is important. God speaks and it is done. This is important not just in understanding how God created the universe, but because this creating force by speaking is actually how you came to new life in Jesus Christ. It's true. First Peter 1 says this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. When someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it's not because they got up out of bed on a certain number of Sundays and managed to get themselves to church, somehow gained enough attendance, gained enough points through giving, gained enough points through doing good things for people in their neighborhood, gained enough points by being good enough in their home that finally one day God said, okay, okay, you finally did it. You're good enough. You can be saved. It's not how it works. Salvation comes because a person recognizes what God's word says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Recognizing the word. Recognizing God's word that says, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Putting your faith in the one who is the word, believing his word that says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is, is what brought you to salvation. You believed in a word that came from God and that word spoken to you changed you. That word fell like seed in your heart and came alive and changed who you were. Amen? That's how you and I were born again. Are y'all still with me? God creates by his word and he creates a new heart in me by his word. If you came to Jesus Christ, you didn't get there because you, you just figured out you know, I really want to be a better person. I'm going to work really hard on being a better person. That's not how it happened. God put his word in your heart and you acted on that by faith and believed it. And that's when you were saved. That word is what changes us. That word is what redeems us. He speaks and new life comes into existence. Amen? That's how it happens. That's how it happened for me. I'm sitting around the corner on Ovilla Road here in a church in 1981 in the summer. I had known about God, but I hear the gospel and I hear it presented just like I'd heard it before. But on that day, 
it penetrated my heart. The seed hit my heart and it caused me to come alive on that day. And I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my savior about three or four days later in my living room at my house. And I came to new life and something brand new began in me today because God spoke his word. His word produces new life. Hope begins with a word. And faith believes this. Faith in us says, I'm going to believe what God says. So we get into the New Testament, you see Jesus talking about faith, and you see Jesus applauding people who had great faith. There's a story in the Gospel of Matthew about a a man, he was a, a centurion, a soldier, and he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, uh, I have a servant at home and he is paralyzed and he's dreadfully tormented. He's struggling. And Jesus says to the man, Jesus says, I will come and heal him. I will go to where he is. Tell me where he is. I will go to him and heal him. And what's fascinating is that the centurion, the soldier, he answers Jesus and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I recognize who you are. You are greater than I am. And here is what is so staggering that this centurion says. Matthew 8, verse 8, the second part says this. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Uh, You don't have to make the distant travel. Uh, You know, it's a mess there anyway. I'm a mess. You don't have to come, really. All you have to do is just say the word. Just speak it from right here. Just say it. And I'm confident. I believe my servant will be healed. All you need to do is just speak a word. As fascinating as that is, even more fascinating is what Jesus says back to the man. Verse 10, Jesus said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, that you would believe that I can by my word cause healing to happen. And Jesus says, that is faith, great faith. So this idea of hope beginning with a word and it begins with faith is powerful and it's a powerful part of the Christmas story even. In Luke chapter one, in fact, I'm gonna get my Bible out. I meant to grab it earlier. Pardon me for just a moment. Luke chapter one, sometimes I still use a paper Bible. How about that? If you have one, turn there with me to Luke chapter one. If you got an app, You can still follow me, Luke chapter one. You can follow me on screen, but I'm gonna start not on screen this morning. I'm gonna start in Luke chapter one in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. In other words, she's kind of in shock here that this angel shows up to begin with but also that she would be the one that has found favor with God. That God had favored her, blessed her, chosen her. Then verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And the angel puts this picture out there, this vision, this dream, this calling upon her life that was just incredibly huge. Mary, I know you're not married. I know you're a virgin. You are going to have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this child is going to be not the son of Joseph, but the son of God. And he will reign. He will rise up. He will rule over his people. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It will not cease. It cannot be stopped. What God has begun, he will complete. He puts this hope out there. This powerful picture for Mary. And then verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. I get it. This is, this is Mary's natural thinking kicking in. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to have a baby, but I haven't been with a man. How can that be since I don't know a man? Mary knew enough biology to know that you can't have a baby without being with a man. Hello? It's okay to laugh about some of this, all right? It's okay. Mary understood something's wrong here. This doesn't fit my natural thinking. Look, if you want to hear and follow God, you've got to turn off your natural thinking for a little bit and turn on your faith. Hello? You're going to have to shift off your logic for just a moment and turn up your spiritual ears to hear what God has to say because God operates differently than you and I do. And if you try to come to him with your logic and your emotions and your understanding, you'll miss out on what he's trying to do. Hello? So, Mary says, how can this be since I don't know a man? And, and the angel responds to her. And the angel answered and said to her, here's how it's going to happen, Mary. You want, a, you want a biology lesson? Here it is. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. There you are, Mary. There's your physical, metaphysical, biological lesson. The Holy Spirit's going to do this, Mary. He's going to come down and overshadow you. He's going to envelop you. He's going to be the one to cause you to conceive. He will put the seed in you, and it will come from God, and you will have the power of the highest upon you, Mary. There, does that help your curiosity, Mary? Does that help you at all? Wow, that's a lot to take in. He says, therefore, also that holy one is to be born and he will be called the son of God, the son of God. Mary, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be the son of God. 
He's going to be the Savior, the Redeemer, the King. He is the one the prophets had written about. He is the one you've been waiting for. Mary, you have been chosen. You are the one. Hope has come, and it has come through you, Mary. And I am speaking this word to you. And Mary is overwhelmed in this moment. And Mary responds. She says, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. That was her way of saying what you and I might say today that sounds more like, Oh God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I am available. Amen? And she put herself in that spot because she got overwhelmed. She realized this is greater than me. I can't understand this. This is bigger than me. This is far beyond whatever I can imagine, have hoped or dreamed. God, you've chosen me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I am available. Man, that's a, that's a sweet spot to be in. That's the place that God longs for us to get to. Lord, whatever you want, I am available. You have something bigger than what my mind can wrap itself around? I am available. You want to do something in my family bigger than what I can figure out how it could ever come to pass? I am available. You want, it, you want me to do what, Lord? I am available. This is the place, this is the sweet spot where God calls our heart to be. I am available. I am your servant, whatever you want. It's a great spot for Mary to be. But what happens next is really even more powerful. What Mary says next is the most significant. Because look here, it's possible to say I'm available, but not be obedient. Really, I mean, it's, it's true. I've, I've done this. I understand this. And I, I've talked with, with folks who put themselves in a, in a place where they say, I, I'm available. I mean, I, I mean, I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do. I, I really, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll listen, I'll, 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 whatever, 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 Lord, whatever it is. But what Mary says next is what really seals the deal. Look what Mary says next. Let it be to me according to your word. Whew. That's next level. First level, I'm available. Next level, you say I'm going to have a baby. The Holy Spirit's going to put the seed in my womb. Let it be to me according to your word. You say it. I believe it, I do it. That's next level. And Mary responds rightly by faith. Your word says it, I'll do it. You said it, I'll do it. Your word, I'm in. When God speaks, he moves mountains and he calls us to believe and by faith act on what he says, amen? It begins with a word and here, New life, again, comes because God spoke a word. It would have been real easy for Mary at this point to have said, 
okay. I mean, you know, baby, uh, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure I was ready for all this. I mean, I hadn't gotten married yet. I mean, I still got a lot of wedding planning to do. I got a lot of stuff going on here. I got to contact the family and all this. If you tell me I'm pregnant before I've even been with a man, that's going to really throw things off in the community. I mean, it's going to really make it awkward at the wedding, you know. It's really going to be a problem. I mean, I don't have enough money for the wedding, barely, but now you're going to tell me I'm going to have a child too. We're supposed to get all the money for that. People are going to talk. People are going to say things about me. There's all kinds of stuff going to be spread about me. I don't even see how that's possible. It's not even logical. And really, bringing up a baby in this culture today, what would anybody be thinking? The whole thing is terrible today. The government's against us. We're all oppressed and the laws are against us. Why would anybody even want to bring up a baby in this situation right now? This is crazy. They, you know, they're, trying to, they're trying to kill us as followers of God, who have those who have faith. Why would I want to even do all this? This is crazy. This is impossible. Mary could have said all of those things, right? But she didn't. She could have said, that, that didn't make sense. She could have said, this is crazy. She could have said, that's not what I've always seen. This is not what I've always known. But instead she says, Lord, I am available. Now, let it be to me according to what you have said. Your word said it. Now, let it be true in me. And we look at this story and we think, that is just beautiful. That's just awesome. I'm so glad God worked in Mary's life like that. If he hadn't and if she hadn't responded, and we wouldn't even have our Savior today. Cool, great story, lovely. Makes for a great Christmas theme, all that kind of stuff. But then you might be asking, does God still speak like that today? Does God still move like that today? Was that just something from a long time ago that happened on a one-time occasion? Are there other times that God has spoken and things came to pass and does he still speak today? Are we supposed to be looking for miraculous signs? Am I supposed to be waiting for an angel? Am I gonna be driving home tonight and I'm gonna see something in the middle of the road? Am I supposed to get out and listen to whatever this angel says? Am I supposed to be looking in the sky? Am I supposed to be looking for miracles? Am I supposed to be looking for a special person in, in a church somewhere who says a word from God so that I can get a word from God. Is that supposed to be happening today? Does God speak like that today even? What do I do? Am I supposed to just keep going through the motions or is there a way that God actually speaks today? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Here's the answer. Yes, God still speaks. Yes, God is speaking. Yes, he intends for us to hear him. And yes, he intends for us to say the exact same thing Mary said. I'm available and let it be to me according to your word. In other words, I'm on it. I'm there. I'll do it. Right? Let's look at this. Because if this is true, if we actually believe all of that, then it's going to change some things in our life, if we're truly gonna say that God speaks. And I'm not having to look for some miraculous sign. I'm not waiting for the latest person to say, I put some bread in the toaster, and the bread came up out of the toaster, and there's a picture of Jesus' face on it. Everyone come over quick. It's a new revelation from God. Hebrews 1 says, God, 
who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers and by the prophets. In other words, yes, there were times that God spoke in miraculous ways through burning bushes. There were miraculous times that God spoke. There were prophets that God rose up. There were special men and women that God called to speak on behalf of him. And they spoke boldly and they spoke declaratively and they spoke from him. Yes, those were in times past. Past. Do you see it? In various times and various ways, God spoke in time past. Past. That was the way. Verse two, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. He has spoken. He has given us an answer. He has declared from heaven a truth. He has a message for you and I, and he spoke it through his son, Jesus. It is the final word from him. There is no new revelation from God after Jesus. The Bible is complete. Jesus is complete. There is no new revelation. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I have a new revelation from God. I want to show you what God has said to me. I know it's different from the Bible, but God is saying new things to me. Hey, if you come up with that person, turn around and run from them. Rebuke them first and then run. Get away from them. Because God is not revealing new truth today. Hello? Watch. The Spirit is here. The Spirit is teaching. The Spirit is illuminating. The Spirit is giving understanding. But there is no new revelation beyond what God's Word provides and who Jesus is. Are you with me? It's true. The Spirit is speaking. The Spirit is teaching. The Spirit illuminates my heart, illuminates my mind so that I understand new truth. But there is no other new revelation happening today. He has spoken, past tense, by his Son. Jesus is the revelation from God. Amen? Now, again, if we believe this, this changes some things. This means that you and I don't have to be waiting for some new thing to happen for God to reveal himself to you and me. Follow me here, it's important. You and I are not in a place where we're saying, hmm, I just wish God would show me something, reveal something, teach me something, reveal, you know, some new revelation for my life. I just wish something miraculous would happen. I just wish something astounding would happen. I wish just something would just pop up in the middle of the road in the middle of the night on my way home and show me something. I just wish I had some new revelation like that. Look, God has spoken already. Don't ignore what he's already said. Looking for something else that you want him to say. He's already said it to you in the form of Jesus. He said it to you in completion. He said it to you in fullness. And he said it and it's enough for our lives today. He has shown us everything that we need to know. You say, well, but I, I really want to know what the Father is like. What is God like? Jesus said it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
He's spoken. You say, well, I just really want someone to show me how to live my life. I just really want someone to show me. Good. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just come follow me. Jesus has already spoken. Father's already spoken through Jesus. You say, well, I just want someone to show me how to get closer to God. That's awesome. Jesus said, or the Bible says, there is salvation in no other one, for there is no other name given among heaven or given from heaven among men whereby you must be saved. There's one way. There's only one way. God's already spoken. You don't need some new revelation to tell you that. You say, well, I just want to show me how to love the people in my life. That's great. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus has already spoken. It's clear. Don't go looking for something new when you, you have the revelation from heaven already spoken. He's given us everything that we need for life and for faith. The Bible says his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us everything that we need already. He has spoken. He has spoken about forgiveness, redemption, hope, life, mercy, peace, restoration, all of those things. He's spoken that word already. He has spoken it to us. And here's how the Bible describes that whole process. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There was a time in the beginning when the word was with God. What God had to say was in himself, and it was in heaven, and he was the word, and the word was with him, and he was in heaven. But John goes on to say, and that word became flesh and it dwelt among us. He came here. The word came here. The word came here to speak hope to us. The fact that Jesus is born in Bethlehem was the loudest announcement from heaven that God sees a weary world. God sees those who dwell in darkness. God sees us in our darkness, and he answers with his son, Jesus. Amen? He does answer. He does give hope. So let me, let me just put it in some practical terms for us today then, and I'm going to divide this up into two categories. I know it's possible that there are some here today um, who have not actually taken the step to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You've maybe attended church, you've tried to live a moral life, but you've never personally surrendered your heart to Jesus and said, I repent of my sin and I turn and follow you. If that's you, here's some things I want to say to you this morning. I'd say that in your darkness, that you are walking in, that you're not telling anybody else about, but that darkness you feel when you put your head on your pillow at night, that darkness you feel when you're hanging out with your friends and you're trying to fit in and you're trying to be cool and you're trying to be liked and you're trying to find some kind of approval, God sees you in your darkness. He sees the guilt He sees all the striving. He sees what you're going through. And he has grace for you when he sees you. He loves you. The fact that he sent his son to be born here 
is proof that he sees and knows and cares and has a purpose for your life. He knew you long before today. In fact, he formed you in your mother's womb. You might have been told you were a reject. You might have been told you didn't matter. You might have been told you were an accident. But I'll tell you this. The fact that you were here means God has a purpose for you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He numbered your days. He planned your steps. He has a purpose bigger than what you even imagine. And in your sin today, which by the way, is what has separated you from God. He's not the one who caused the separation. It's you. And he calls you to confess your sins, to repent of them. Because if you do, he's faithful and he's just. He'll cleanse you and forgive you of all your sin. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, you can be made new. He can speak a word and you can become something you weren't. He can speak light out of the darkness. He can speak creation where there hasn't been a creation. He can make all things new. God so loved you that he sent his only son that if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Hope is here. But then I'd say to those of you and us who are believers, hope is here as well. Because I know we've all come in here today with some areas in our life that we really could use some hope. You could really use some confidence and certainty. And I'll just clarify again. When I say hope, I'm not talking about wishing. I'm not talking about it would be nice if. I'm talking about confident, certain hope. And you, and I, you came in here today with some areas in your life where you'd say, man, I, I need some hope in this area. I need some confident assurance in this area. Well, I'm here to tell you that God has spoken. There is hope for whatever you're walking through today. So let me speak some words of assurance and reminder for us as believers, those who have come to Jesus Christ. Let me say first, your sins have been forgiven. There's no need for you to continue to carry them around like a weight, like a backpack of pain. There's no need for you to beat yourself up over them. There's no need for you to keep reminding yourself of how terrible you once were. There's no need to answer to the voices anymore of rejected and outcast and failure and defeated and never enough. Jesus has come. And if you are in Christ, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. Be free. Hope is here. It's staggering the number of um, struggles that people walk through just because they keep carrying and replaying their sins. You keep replaying and living in your guilt. You'll find yourself wrapped up in all kinds of anxiety and fear and depression, insecurities, and desire to just 
run away and isolate and hide from everyone you know. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus. Amen? Let me also remind you of this. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and placed in the very hand of God. There is security, eternal security in him. You do not have to fear any longer that you could lose this thing that God has given to you by grace. It wasn't yours that you discovered, it was his that he gave. And the moment you received it, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, locked up tight and put in Christ. And in him, no one can snatch you away. Rest in that today. You don't have to be fearful about your standing. You don't have to live with anxiety and insecurity. You can stop answering to the labels of depressed, anxious, broken, helpless. Those are no longer who you are in Jesus. He has spoken a better word. You are his own. You are his child. You have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, never to be snatched out of his hand. But I'd remind you of this third thing, that God is actively arranging the events of your life in order to bless you, show you favor, and transform you into the very image of his son. Your life is not out of control as much as you may think it is. If you belong to Jesus Christ, your life is firmly in his hands and he is the one who is arranging the good and the struggle for a purpose bigger than what you and I can know. And I rest in that. I rest in that word. The Bible says we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. It holds me still in stormy waters. It holds me still when the circumstances around me seem bigger than what I can navigate. I can stop questioning my life. I can stop fearing what's ahead. I can stop working to try to prove how good I am, how strong I am, how smart I am. You can stop all of that because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who holds you now in his hands. You can stop answering to the voices of chaos and defeat and uncertainty and hopelessness because hope is here. His word has spoken. You can rest with confidence. You don't need another word. You need the word that's already been spoken to you and to believe it, cling to it, and be reminded of it. You know, that's why we gather together on Sundays for church because we gather to sing pray and encourage one another because I need where you are for where I am in my faith, right? And you need what someone else has for where they are in their faith. 
Because there are times, there are times that we all are small faith and need big faith, right? I need someone else who's in big faith moment to come along for my small faith moment. Because when those moments come along where all of a sudden the phone call comes, the tragedy happens, the darkness is mounting, the pressure is on, the conflict seems irreconcilable. In that moment, I need someone else who's walked ahead of me and walked beside me and who's got some faith in that moment to come along and put their arm around me and remind me of some things. Amen? It's why in the book of James it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders and let them anoint him with oil and pray over him. If you've read that passage before, you might have thought, wow, must be something magical about that oil. No. You might think, wow, must be something magical about those people called elders. No. They're just people who have walked a little bit ahead. They are people who have walked in faith a little bit further down the road than you. And they've tested the Lord and the Lord has tested them and they're still walking with him. Those are the kind of people that you want to call on when you're sick to say, would you pray for me? Because you tell me if this isn't true. When I get sick, when I'm struggling is when I start asking lots of questions. Hello? I start wondering lots of things. When struggles are going on around me, when the darkness is closing in around me, is when I start asking lots of questions. That's when I'm most tempted to listen to some wrong voices. It's when I'm most tempted to forget that hope is here. So today, we're going to close this message time by doing that. One of our men, his name is Jim Steelman, recently was out uh, with some guys four-wheeling. And Jim was standing on the edge of a kind of a rocky dirt cliff area. And that rocky dirt cliff area gave way. And Jim went down, tore Achilles tendon. Right, Jim? Jim's back there sitting down because it's hard to stand right now for Jim. He's in a lot of pain. And Jim's going in for surgery this next week on Tuesday. And the doctors have said, hey, uh, after the surgery, it's going to take some while to get through rehab and heal. In fact, it's going to take nine months. That's a long time, right? Nine months. So uh, Jim's asked, hey, did you guys pray for me? So let's get Jim up here in a chair to start with here. Guy's gonna, Jim's going to hobble and Charles is going to bring a chair, two chairs. One for his foot. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to ask our elders to come and to gather around him, to pray for him. Because that's what the Bible says we're to do. And our purpose today is to remind Jim of some truths. Our purpose is to pray for him. But in praying for him, we're going to pray that as he goes through his next nine months, that hope will flood his heart, that peace will flood his heart, and that he will not become susceptible to the enemy's wishes and desires 
to use this moment to cause Jim to lose his faith or walk away in weakness of faith or any of those kind of things, but instead that it might be something that God would use to work in his life and cause a greater closeness with God in his life and a change of heart in his life. Not that Jim, not that Jim needs his heart changed, right, Jim? Yeah, he's talking. But I want to do this as well because my guess is that Jim's not the only one in the room who would say, well, I got some stuff I'm going through. I got some things I could really use some prayer for. So I'll do this. If you would like to come this morning to stand here as a way of saying, pray for me too. Because I'm at a point where I need some prayer because I'm, on a, I'm in a dark place. So anybody want to join us up here at the front? We'll have others that will come and pray here in just a moment. This is your moment to come stand. Here comes Ed. Here comes Bobby. Anybody else? It's a bold moment I recognize. But God gives grace to the humble. He pours out strength to those who will say, I need a word. I need hope. Anyone else? All right. Would you all stand with me this morning? And I would ask this. If you'd like to come stand with any of those that are here to pray for them, you come. If you just lift up your hand as one of those who say, pray for me today. If you've come down front this morning, lift up your hand so we can know who to pray for. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, we are acting in accordance with your word. You've told us that if we will pray and believe by faith that you will move mountains in our life, that you will heal what has been broken, you will restore what has been lost. And so this morning, we come by faith. We come by faith to proclaim some truths that we know, that in Jesus Christ, you have chosen us and we are secure in you. And there is nothing or no one that can snatch us out of your hand. No evil power, no force, no spirit of darkness has any power to snatch us or take us out of your hand. We stand in that this morning by the blood of Jesus as those who have been redeemed, chosen by you, forgiven, cleansed, and declared righteous. So we begin there this morning as those who have been called and chosen. God, I also thank you that in you we have purpose. You have designed every moment of our life and there's not a thing that comes into our life now. By faith, we believe this, that is not by your hand or for your good or for your purpose or our good even in our life. That you are the one who works all things together for good. It may not feel good in the moment, but you work all things for good for your glory and for us. And so for whatever each person this morning that has come this morning is walking through, 
God, I pray by faith that they would see that as part of your hand, part of your plan, that you are the one who has not left them. You have not forsaken them. You have arranged and you are walking with them through this moment. And Father, I thank you that you have a higher purpose for these things that we're walking through than we even recognize today. You're using them to conform us to the image of your son. You're using it to chip away our dependence upon ourselves and our trust in things around us. You're using it to glorify yourself. You're using it to restore relationships. You're using it to teach us things about yourself. You're using us to cleanse your church, to build up your church and to show us and remind us that the gates of hell cannot stand against us. So, Father, we stand in all that today. Even with the events happening in our culture today, Father, we are not dismayed because of them, because we are encouraged because of you. You are the one who works all things, and you have a purpose in them all. It may look out of control to us, but it is perfectly in control in your hand. So we trust in all these. So, Father, I pray specifically for Jim this morning at his request. I pray for healing in this process. I pray for physical healing, but I pray for greater healing than that. I pray for healing in areas of his family, areas in ministry. He wants to make, to be an influence areas where you want to raise him up to do greater things than what he even knows today. Father, I pray all those things would bless him and fall on him, chase after him and be what envelops him just as it did Mary. Lord, bless him in this process for the others that have come this morning need of physical healing. God, I ask for your spirit to touch them as well. We believe that by the confidence of your word and the presence of your spirit within us, you can heal what has been broken. You can heal infirmity. So we ask for that in your name. But we also ask more than that, that you would cause those who come to shine like lights, to be ambassadors for you, that we would glorify you, that as a result of your hand and your work through even these infirmities, that they would come out the other side of it and say, Lord, your grace was sufficient and is more powerful than the thorn in my side at the time. So we thank you for all of that. We stand by bold declaration in that and claim your healing, claim your blessing upon these, our brothers and our sisters. And we pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, our Lord, the word that has been given to us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Good morning. We are so excited to have our pre-K through fourth graders on stage to perform for you tonight. And a special thanks to Heather and Taylor who put it all together and come up and practice every week with them. And also a special thanks to Bella, which will be singing our solo today. So we hope you all are so excited and enjoy the Elevate Kids singing Happy Birthday Jesus.
standing. Wasn't that awesome? Give Taylor and Heather a hand and Micah for all their work upstairs and the kids workers. All right. Parents, in just a moment, you can come get your kids. We're going to leave them all right here. So find your way up here and some of the Elevate workers will be here to help you get your kids. We close our services here by saying lift them up and live them out. Let's do this. Lift them up and... <laughs> 